the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. The DSH Lee Walker, the adorable one, Alex Top, and former WWE writer Rob Hockman. You're listening to Perched on the Top. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. I am your host, former Dirt Sheet writer Lee Walker, and I am joined by the Perched correspondent Justin Largetoe, and I am joined by our own video editor and the Perched Twitch runner Alex Todd. And ladies and gentlemen, we are here to give you a rundown of WWE's Crown Jewel taking place Saturday at noon boys are you ready i think that was the most professional introduction of me i've ever got perch twitch runner <laughs> yeah well, we're, we're here to we're here to talk about sweet saudi money eight i know you can't wait <laughs> i'm sorry Alan. <laughs> you're fine lee you're fine it's it's okay i couldn't think of what to call it you're good don't... You're good. Back to what Justin. Back to what Justin said, though. We're we're here to talk about blood money. Mm-hmm. Blood money is the way to be. Money, 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 money. Here comes the money. I'm glad we all we all had something queued up for that. Right. We did. So this was this is an interesting card. I'm just gonna start. I don't know what order it's going in. I if. I'm wrong on the order. I'm 90% time am, so whatever. Let's be honest. Who cares anyway? No yeah. one cares the order. They, they're just here for the predictions. We, we know uh, the main event. That's all we need to know. <laughs> so we have the Saudi Arabia Crown Jewel WrestleMania 3 match. Braun Strowman versus Omos because it's Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Just uh- so. I have no comment on that. Listen, that's my partake on this match. I'm dead serious. I'm it's feeling hard. I'm feeling more big show versus great Kali. That's what I had in my head. Backlash 2008. Yep. Okay. Get, get fucked. <laughs> okay. That was a very rude. You cry baby piss pants. Whoa. <laughs> Which by the way, let's talk about that for a real oh, second. Man. That's a that's an inside joke that the three of us made up on the show. What was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Yeah, we, we've definitely brought it up on here before. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we 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 kind of brought it up in, in passing. Lee and I attended a Halloween party at my house this past weekend, and we were actually able to call somebody a crybaby piss pants. They they spilled a drink and we said they peed and then crybaby piss pants it was. They got and then I got tattled, I got tattled on, and I didn't even do anything. <laughs> it was great. It was great, Justin. I wish you'd been here. Ooh, hashtag crybaby piss pants. Oh god! The, it's, we, the, the we the ones. We the ones. Hashtag crybaby piss pants. <laughs> so this match is honestly probably 
the worst or second worst buildup of this entire card. And uh, Justin, I'm pretty sure, knows the other one because we talked about it on, on Monday. Now it's, you know, Friday. So this is a very lackluster buildup. It's two big men. Uh, when I interviewed Kevin Mash, Kevin Nash, wow, Mash. There's one for the bloopers. Well, you, yeah, well, you know, yeah, you know what it was? I saw a Kevin Mash meme and it was hilarious and I just tongue slipped. Hashtag Brandon Busky. Oh, that's cruel. That is cruel. Anyway, I uh, Kevin Nash had said that big men wrestling each other usually just doesn't work. And we know Braun Strowman can move. Omos really can't. Right. I'm not expecting much out of this match, to be honest with you. The biggest thing I'm expecting is Omos to do that double-handed choke slam to Braun Strowman, but Braun Strowman hit the power slam on Omos. That's all that's all I'm looking for out of this match because that's probably the biggest thing you're going to see for the entire thing. You know, I think it's possible that we might be surprised with this match cuz Omos, you know, he up until recently to the build of this match, he hadn't been wrestling a whole lot compared to the exposure he was getting when he was with AJ Styles. But I feel like I, in the past couple of matches I've watched, it looks like his, the way he's moving around the ring is slowly improving. But the one thing I will say that's sad is that Omos is less green in the video game than he is in real life. You're not wrong. No, Omos is actually a really fun character to play as in the video game. And the, to the fact that you said he's slowly improving in the ring, yeah, he's fucking slowly improving, all right. <laughs> Very fucking slowly. It's better than nothing, though. On the slowly. Keyword slowly. Slow. Everything is slowly. Ah, ah, ah. It's like watching the fucking match in slow motion. Fucking paint dries fi- faster than fucking Omos wrestles. <laughs> Paint dries faster than the Undertaker's entrance. Paint dries, paint dries faster than a Triple H promo. Uh, yeah. Fast forward that shit. In the in the <laughs> words of Justin, start a thread. Right. Oh boy, what what's what's faster than Omos? What's slower than Omos? Jesus Christ. Um. So, best thing I can say about this match is nothing. To the, to the point Kevin Nash made where. Uh, you know, big man matches don't really work. I don't I don't really believe that. I think depending on the people involved, I think it can work. Oh yeah, that's that's BS. We've seen Big Show and Undertaker put on classics. Right. And you know, I mean Hell, Big Show, Mark Henry in 2012 had one of the best feuds of the year. Yeah, right. Like big I mean, man matches can work. It depends on the talent involved. And I think another big part of it is you can't really send them out for a 15 minute match, 15 minute match. I think with this one, the best thing you can kind of hope for with Braun and Omas is, you know, short street, sweet, straight to the point, you know, let them do their spots, let them do what they're going to do and get out of there. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's, I think that's why you see matches with like Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar short with, you know, any match with Lesnar is short, get in there, do what you need to do, prove your point, get the fuck out. That's Brock Lesnar style. 
Right. Yeah, but Brock's like even been doing longer matches. I'd say that's more the Goldberg style. Ooh, yeah. You're not wrong. Fucking 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. So since this is a prediction, I'm going to say Braun Strowman wins. I'm going to say David beats Goliath, and uh, if that's how they're booking those. I didn't know Braun's name was David. Shut up. <laughs> shut shut up. So immature this one. So immature. Uh yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Braun too. Um not because I think Omas could use the win, but I think he could have used the win against somebody else. Braun's too early into his return to lose this match. Right. And you know. I'm going to say Braun too. It came out recently internally. He's listed as the number three baby face on SmackDown right now. So that tells me they have some kind of plan for him. So I'm going Braun on this. Sweet. We all agree. Now I said, this was either going to be worst match or second worst match, whatever, uh, or second buildup. Anyway, uh, terrible buildup. On Monday Night Raw, we saw new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Alexa Bliss and Asuka defeated Damage Control on Monday Night Raw, ladies and gentlemen. And this brings our next match, the rematch, the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Alexa Bliss and Asuka, the champions, will take on Damage Control, Dakota Sky and Io Sky. Dakota Kai and Io Sky? Uh, Lee just pulled a Bailey. Hold on. That... Just edit it out. Alexa, stop! That's what happened. It's because he said Alexa Bliss. My Alexa went off. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm not editing anything. I'm, I don't have time. Uh, WWE... <laughs> Women's Tag Team Championship, Alexa Bliss and Asuka taking on Dakota Kai and Io Sky. I'm pretty sure I said right the first time, but I'll say it again. This is your one championship change. As Justin first said when Alexa Bliss and Asuka won, I swear to God, this better not be just because of Crown Jewel. Well, guess what, Justin? It was because of Crown Jewel. Right. Yep, so I'm just going to say this. What the fuck is the booking with the women's tag titles since they've been brought back? <laughs> I dare say Vince was booking the ta- the women's tag titles better. Look, fucking, you do this tournament, pretty much set up for damage control to win the titles. You have fucking Raquel and Aaliyah win the titles, which honestly, I forgot they even fucking won them. I completely forgot about their reign. Damage control beats them two weeks later, holds the titles, does shit all with them, and then you give them to Alexa and Asuka, just fucking out of nowhere. You know, like what what the fuck is this? Like Alexa and Asuka needed something to do, obviously, but like it was it was not the time for this. Right. Damage it, control it, was like off to a really good start. And it's not like fucking damage control is losing every fucking week almost. Right, and like my my thing is, you didn't need them to lose the titles to have all three of them be champions at the end of Crown Jewel. You could have just had them hold on to them and have Bailey complete the trifecta, right? And then they celebrate together. So, like, what the fuck does this do? The 
only freaking thing that I can think of is they want to put more heat on damage control for possibly Sasha and Naomi to return. Like, who knows if that's even going to happen? But like that, that's the only thing that could even come close to saving this, even if, I mean, it, if it even is savable. At this point, it feels like the Sasha Naomi stuff is just so dragged out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's we've had three women's tag team champions since we fucking brought these titles back. It's not it, like they're coming back and reclaiming the titles from the people who won the tournament. Right. And even if they were and they've been in talks for forever, it should have been done by now. Right. And one more thing on this, I will just say, women in baggy clothing, fuck the world! I got nothing on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, Justin. Fuck this match. Fuck you. If it wasn't because of what happened, you know, literally this match is only... Why? Just to get it. I think it's the point to get more women on a Saudi show. Which is great. But do it right. You know, that's when, you know, after the match, that's when you have Sasha and Naomi show up. Which supposedly they are closer than ever to returning if Dave Meltzer is to be believed. He's usually not too far off from the truth, but he did report that Sasha Banks was backstage at a WWE live event in Mexico City on Sunday night. So, I mean, it's possible. But again, if this was something that, you know, Triple H had worked everything over with them forever ago, then this should have been done by now already. You could have built the tag team match with Damage Control and Naomi and Sasha for this weekend instead. Yeah, I'm going to say you get new tag team champions out of it. Same thing here. Damage. That's three. We're two for two, ladies and gentlemen. And that brings us to a steel cage match between Drew McIntyre and a man that perched on the top rows knows very well because we brought him in Scarlet to Baltimore Fan Fest. Last February, TikTok, TikTok, because Karrion Cross last year was perched on the top rope, ladies and gentlemen. Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross. I loved that they brought back Karrion. I love the work that they're doing with him right now. And all I'm going to say is because Karrion is perched on the top rope. Carrion Cross wins. Guys? I'm going the other direction. Carrion has won one of the matches. I feel like this is going to be a trilogy. Uh, so I'm going to give the win to Drew McIntyre tonight. Well, tomorrow night. Yeah, so obviously the whole reason this cage was even implemented into all this is to keep Scarlet out. And I'm assuming she's going to be there. It'd be kind of fucking weird if they went through with this whole cage match thing and didn't have the reason they're having a cage match outside uh but i'm gonna go drew mcintyre too i I see this going to a rubber match and you know i think with the cage there obviously it stops scarlet and that's the whole story they're trying to tell with this that drew mcintyre has lost way too many pay-per-view matches yeah yep and like he's supposed to be one of your top 
baby faces of the company. Number two on SmackDown. You really stick to that me. list, aren't you? Karen's <laughs> gonna be Karen's gonna be disappointed in the both of you. I have nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. I am very that's okay. He can be disappointed all he wants. Our next match is a six-man tag. It is the OC. AJ Styles. And two men that Justin and I know very well because we've interviewed them. YouTube.com slash perched on the top rope. Oh, yes. A couple of good brothers. I'd like to say I know them vicariously through you guys with the amount of Fucking editing I had to do for that video. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson as they take on the Judgment Day of Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Guerrero. (laughs) I was wondering if he was going to do that or not, actually. (laughs) So this this match has actually had a lot of buzz behind it, not because of the match or the buildup itself, but because of the fact that Carl Anderson was originally supposed to be slated to compete at New Japan. Uh, Justin, what's the name of their pay-per-view? Uh, I want to say it was Autumn Ambush. Autumn Ambush. And he was supposed to face Hikaleo for the Never Open Weight Championship. There's this whole thing going on right now with New Japan where they're talking about how Carl Anderson isn't going to make the event. But however... Before this whole thing happened, they had also said that if Carl Anderson doesn't show up, he was going to be stripped of the Never Open Weight Championship. What I find is funny is once they mentioned that he was not going to make the show, they haven't made one mention since that he's again going to be stripped of the title. So I have a theory that either A, he's still going to make a surprise um, you know, appearance at this pay-per-view or like a tape segment for this pay-per-view for New Japan. Or B, we're in the middle of what's actually going to be the build of a, like an actual storyline with him to go back to New Japan and lose that title. Not that that has anything to do with that, what's actually going to happen in the match, but I know a lot of people are kind of, there's still buzz around that. So I definitely thought it was worth bringing up. So with the whole uh, New Japan situation and, and intertwined in all this, uh, apparently they're doing a story where Hikaleo does not want them to strip Carl Anderson of the title. He wants to be the guy to take it from him and defend the honor of New Japan, even though he just tried to fucking kill it in the Bullet Club for the last year or two. You'll have that. Yep. Bullet Club tends to talk about how they're going to kill Japan, New Japan all the time, and then fight for its honor. It's really weird. Right. So what do you think? Do you think we see a a guest appearance from Carl either live on the show or pre-taped? Oh, I think Carl's definitely on the show in the match and everything. Yeah, I have a feeling. I think we're going to, and honestly, in my opinion, if he does show up for the New Japan show, it actually puts a little more buzz going into the Saudi Arabia show for WWE as well. Right. But prediction-wise, they got this whole thing going on right now with Rhea Ripley uh, being, you know, the deciding factor in all these matches that have to do with Judgment Day and the OC. And they've been talking about how they need backup. Well, there's been a lot of speculation that Triple H has reached out to Mia Yim and that there's a possibility she might be coming back to the company and she might be the one to join the OC. If that is true, can I say that's like the perfect fit, in my opinion? 
for someone to join if they give her her HBIC character. You know, I'm not opposed to that idea. I can tell you one person who I would consider that's on the roster currently. Oh. Raquel Rodriguez. Ooh. Right. You have the history with Rhea, too, so it works. Lee saying no. Trash. Why trash? Oh. I wouldn't pick Raquel Rodriguez. Do you have an issue with her herself? She doesn't give me that I'm a badass chick vibe right now. Like in NXT, she had, you know, some small runs as a heel and stuff, but I was never really convinced. I don't think she's, she could come in with, you know, the OC, but like really they're like kind of a tweener group in my opinion. They've been good. They've been bad. You know, I just, I don't, I don't see her as a good fit to that group. Mia Yim, I see as a good fit to the group. I think if you had like a one-off with like a legend, maybe like Lita would be cool. I just, I don't see, I don't see Raquel Rodriguez. That's like saying put Aaliyah in there. Ew. No, no, no. You know what? Fuck off. I'm defending this. How, how is that like saying put Aaliyah in there? Well, one, they're tag team champions together. Two, they both have... So because there were tag team champions together, we have to fucking intertwine their careers? All right, well, number one, I said one. So that means I wasn't done. You just rudely interrupted me, you piece of shit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. Two, now that my ADHD brain has forgotten, thanks a lot. Two, they both have that quirky, goofy smile all the time. I don't know if you've noticed with Raquel Rodriguez on the main roster, especially pulling the hard R's, whatever they, however they roll their tongue, however she rolls the fucking tongue when she speaks. Jesus Christ, man. No, she's not a good fit. It's like if Cotton Candy was a wrestler. Yeah. Okay. Can I, can I go now? You, you good? It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like making Cotton Candy water. What happens to Cotton Candy and water? Ask the raccoon on YouTube. He knows. Okay. Well, l- let me talk about this. Because you brought up fucking Raquel Smile. I will agree with you on that. I don't like that shit. But you know what? She came up to the fucking main roster when Vince was there. And you know what they always tell these fucking NXT people when Vince was there on the fucking main roster? You got to smile more. You got to fucking be happy to be here. Don't fucking be, you, you know, look pissed off all the time. Be like John Cena. Lose your fucking title and then come out the next night like nothing happened. You know? Yeah, but Vince isn't around anymore. They could have changed yes, Vince that real isn't quick. around anymore, which means you can repackage these fucking people. Raquel has a very similar build to fucking Rhea, and now, guess what? Now shit that happened in NXT like two, three years ago, we can fucking mention. We can't. We don't have to act like it didn't fucking happen. We see it now. We can. We can act like this shit actually fucking happened and bring it back to shit and put a, do a feud on the fucking main roster. So you're saying that they haven't been repackaged, therefore they are still. Vince-esque, correct? We are still in a transitioning period. I we, knew that was know, coming because I was about to just say that you're agreeing that they're that that the character she has is shit right now. And when I, I, I am not fucking disagreeing with that. The smiling, the stupid fucking she's she's not the same as she was in NXT. A hundred percent I will sit here and agree with you on that. But that doesn't know, we can't get back to that point. You know who Raquel Rodriguez reminds me of? Who? Santina Morella. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. 
You know who else I think would be a good fit if she weren't? Man, obviously. You know who else I think would be a good fit? Justin, that is currently on the roster if she wasn't in such a like a, a heel position right now, would be Shayna Baszler. Yeah, I could I could see that, but I yeah, don't know. She, they're too busy building something with her and Rhonda. But nah, uh if 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 Mia Yim's the way they're going, I'm totally down. That being said, um Again, Gallows and Anderson just returned. First premium live event back. OC's got to take this one, I think. But the Judgment Day has been putting some heel heat on themselves lately, and this could be another good way to continue that. So this one's kind of a toss-up for me. But, I mean, I don't want to see either team lose in this because I feel like they could both use the win. I think um, you have the OC win. Yeah, I think the OC needs the first win. You could have them lose the entire feud, but I think this I think this match, I think they need to win for Gallows and Anderson's sake. Yeah, for any reason, you have to have the fucking OC win for the, you know, you had fucking Dominic Mysterio pin AJ Styles on Raw a few weeks ago. Bro, don't get me started on that. I was heated. And then every fucking week afterwards, the Judgment Day's beating the OC's ass left and right. It's Dominic Guerrero. Shut up. That was rude. So I'm in agreement. So it's it's got to be the OC, as the old uh, quote goes. The Judgment Day wins the battle, but the OC is going to win the war. That's what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. On to our next match. Is a match at one point everybody wanted in MMA. but we'll settle for pro wrestling. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. Best build on the card. Right. Definitely. Not even, not even close. Um, I loved their first match. I have even higher expectations for this one. This is, this has been like, they're just letting these two brawl and they don't even need that much of a storyline for it. It's just Brock showed up. He beat the shit out of Lashley. Lashley showed up. He beat the shit out of Brock. And now they're going to beat the shit out of each other. Uh, if they're going to cement Lashley as this top powerhouse person, he's got to go too. No, and he's got to beat Brock again. Mm-hmm. The only thing that always makes me nervous when these guys square off is that god-awful landing that Lashley has to take from the German suplex. Right. I was thinking the same thing. Because if he's not getting enough momentum to land on his back, he's literally, like, if he doesn't tilt himself to land on his shoulder, it always looks like he's going to land on, like, the back of his neck. It's It's just a scary looking way, but but I think I'm the problem excited. is I don't I don't even think it's his fault. I think it's just the way he's built. He's got like I said this before, he's got so much goddamn muscle that man's literally chiseled out of stone. Right. That it's probably not like it's probably not super easy for him to move his shoulder to get it into the right place to take to take that German suplex. At least when Brock's done it to bigger guys, they've got the extra added height, like someone like Braun Strowman. So he's got a little bit of height to where he can work with it. Lashley is a shorter 
built man just like Brock. And I would imagine if you were to see Brock take a German, he'd probably have a similar issue. Yeah. The one fought in Bellator, one fought in UFC. Together they fight in WWE, ladies and gentlemen. A haiku. Thank you. I got to go with Brock Lesnar. I'm an OG guy, Lesnar. How about you? I'm going going with Lashley on this one. I was kind of torn a little bit going into this, but I mean – Lesnar cost Lashley his fucking title. We got to Lashley has to pick up something back, you know. Also, OG oh Lashley only came in like two or three years after Lesnar. They came in around the same time. They're both right. OGs at this point. Yeah, Lee. Yeah, your ruthless you aggression got? timeline, right? Yeah. Wait, what do you got to say? To that nothing. Keep sucking on your lollipop, bud. Hope you choke on it. Okay. Our we're next so, match. We're so aggressive on this show. Is the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. Shockingly enough, allowed to leave the country, the Usos. <laughs> Take on the Brawling Brutes. Butch in Holland 316 says, I just broke your neck. Stealing that from Owen. Sorry. <laughs> So this is a match of uh, alcohol and x-rays. They should. I do. I'm just being funny. If it's if if it's too much for some people that are too sensitive, or you know, I shouldn't joke about people who have an alcohol problem. You've clearly not listened to other shows. Yeah, if you got a problem, perch yourself off the top rope. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. So I don't see the Usos losing, to be honest with you. Like there, there's more to meet the eye here, and especially after the news we got that uh Sami Zayn will stay in the bloodline longer than expected. Uh it was rumored he was going to be partnered with Kevin Owens. And I'm guessing apparently we're going to be the ones to take the titles off of the Usos. Now, WWE has held off on those plans with Sammy due to the popularity that he's gained with them. And the fact that Usi went over so well. You know what? Fuck it. Can we talk about that segment from SmackDown last week? Yes. Absolutely. Go. Fucking so great <laughs> you know i didn't really know what to expect when they put Sami Zayn with the bloodline initially it, he's done so fucking well the fact that he literally had everyone in that fucking ring break character just by saying you know jay uso hasn't been very oozy lately it's just fucking hysterical watching jay have to put his hands over his face and turn away from the camera so he doesn't fucking explode laughing. Yeah, Lee and I talked about this a little bit at our at the Halloween party I had at my house last weekend. But can we also give props to Roman in that segment? Because Roman completely saved the entire segment. 
right if he if he had tried to stay stone faced while that whole thing was going on knowing that like they were literally losing their shit inside that segment would have tanked it could have in that very split second that segment could have absolutely tanked and in any other Vince McMahon ran WWE world it would have that right. just shows one second that just shows the leaps and bounds that Roman Reigns has made as a superstar on the mic compared to when he was talking about suffering succotash on WWE television in 2014. Uh, don't forget Jack and the Beanstalk with the Roman Reigns promo. We don't, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about Tater tots. <laughs> but, but for real, that, that, that literally shows how far Roman Reigns has come as a, as a, a talent on the microphone because Roman before would have been the reason this segment tanked and he was able to save this one. Right. And I think Roman does a good job at, you know, being the, oh, you know, I'm going to sit there, laugh, smile, but he still has that fucking, you know, he's a badass to him. Like he doesn't take it seriously, you know? Right. And he can absolutely turn around in the blink of an eye. But speaking of this segment, we'll get back to the match in a second, but this is the perfect time to talk about this. I was watching a video yesterday that summed this up pretty well. The work that Sami Zayn is putting in right now in wwe and the reactions he's getting right now like every single monday night raw and every single friday night smackdown that he comes out he is consistently the most cheered guy on the show and it's not even close he is getting bigger ovations than anybody on the roster at this point and i'm almost starting to feel as if we might be getting a slow build to a similar type situation that we saw with Kofi Kingston in the run-up to WrestleMania 35 and Daniel Bryan in the run-up to WrestleMania 30. The fans are doing this thing that they do once like every five years, and they are taking a talent that they have picked, and they are absolutely pushing them to the moon, and I think we're seeing the same thing with Sami Zayn right now. I would love to see it, man. And, you know, I'm going to push for something, too. I I talked to you guys about it privately before the show but seeing as we have elimination chamber announced for montreal next year and we know the fucking reaction sammy Zayn gets in montreal we've seen it on smackdown and everything i think we saw it a few months ago actually or a few weeks ago but i think you obviously have to do a wb universal title elimination chamber match i think you have to do the last two as sammy and roman because you know everyone in that place will be going fucking batshit at the possibility of Sami Zayn beating Roman for the Universal title. Yeah, and that's when he's absolutely going to turn on him and obliterate him. Right. I think I think it would just be fantastic storytelling if they go that direction. Kind of like when the fans went absolutely batshit crazy when it came down to Daniel Bryan and Santino Marella in Elimination Chamber. Right, and that's kind of what I'm thinking about with all this. Kind of like when it came down to Alberto Del Rio and Santino Morella in the Royal Rumble. Right. Alex and, I talked, Alex and I have talked about this. Matches like those, when you have something like that happen, at some point the underdog has to win. At some point they got to give it to the underdog. Because we're like, in those two instances I just, li- I just listed, the crowd went batshit crazy for Santino Morella. Santino Morella in his elimination chamber match actually had the most eliminations. Mm-hmm. 
the crowd was going nuts the entire time. If they do something like that, I would almost say give it to the underdog. Yeah, you, the WWE has got something hot with Sami Zayn right now, and they definitely need to capitalize on it. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, since we're talking about the bloodline too, is that I almost feel as if we are starting to get into a spot with the bloodline where it's becoming too hard for the fans to, to boo them. The little, little fans that are Roman has beaten so many of the top baby faces. And I know he doesn't want to take this tribal chief character and and make him a baby face, but I almost think we're going to get to a point in time where the fans are going to make the decision for the company. Look guys, I'll, I'll say it like this. You, you obviously know how many shows I've been to this year and how many times I've seen the bloodline live. Every time they come out from a live fans perspective, there are little to no booze in the building. And it's been like that for a while. You know, everyone's got the one finger up in the air. Everyone's fucking going nuts. You know, I mean, they're practically faces acting like heels. Yeah, I think we're I think we're going to get to, like I said, a point where WWE is not going to really be able to push them as heels anymore. It might be sometime after WrestleMania once whatever storyline they have going on with Roman ends and he loses the titles. But I have a feeling after that, we're going to see them go on a monster baby face run. And I think you're going to, by the time this is all said and done, the bloodline is probably going to be one of the greatest factions in the past decade, if not all time, by the time they're done. Oh, and you know, another thing they have Roman doing the cheap pop thing. Every time they come out for a promo where he says the name of the town and then goes, acknowledge me. So mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> That's a face thing, you know? Right. But with that being said, back to the match, I'm going to go with Lee. The Usos aren't losing here. No, and I will, uh, just to add on, two things. Uh, One thing to point out, we will not see Sami Zayn on this show for, you know, obvious reasons. And I think it's kind of a missed opportunity that they're not doing the Usos in the New Day on this show. As much as I feel like we've kind of been oversaturated with that, you know, the fact, I actually believe the Usos break the ra- the record for the longest title te- tag title reign next week. Right. So I feel it would be good, you know, storytelling to have the New Day kind of defend that record. And have them be that right to passage if the Usos are going to pass the record. Right. But yeah, Usos win here. No way they're taking the titles off of them. My other big reason that I believe that the Usos are going to win too is that it's been reported that Jake Paul is also going to make an appearance at Crown Jewel. Oh, fucking joy. Yeah, I know, I know you hate hearing this, but the, there's been a lot of rumblings that Jake Paul is going to make an appearance at Crown Jewel and probably be involved in the main event somehow with him and his brother. Obviously, Logan Paul's not winning the title, and I'll get more into that with my prediction later. But I could almost see this as them taking a celebrity opportunity to set up a tag title match between the Usos and the Paul Brothers at Survivor Series. Alex, don't give them fucking ideas. They, if I'm thinking of it, they've already thought of it. You know Fuck that. off. <laughs> but at the same time, you don't want to. You don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't know if Lee wants to see it. Probably not. But. At the same time, that's money for them. Like, even if we don't want to see that, that will make them money. And as a business, you kind of got to go where the money leads you at the same time. I know what my bathroom break will be at Survivor Series if that happens. 
yeah, the next match, the WWE Raw Women's <laughs> being chip left women standing match. Bianca Belair taking on Bailey. Uh, I mean, really okay. I just I don't care about this match to be honest with you. I don't. Um, to be honest, I the did. Whole, Sorry, go ahead. To be honest, what makes this pay per view always hard to watch is the crowd does not fucking cheer at all. I mean, that's not true. They'll, they'll cheer if it's like the Undertaker or Goldberg or Lesnar or something. Come on, man! They wanted Yokozuna at one of these events, right? Anyway, um, I don't know how this match is realistically going to go. Like, I, I'm a fan of Bianca Belair with the long hair, but like she used it a lot more in NXT than she has so far on the main roster. But I mean, let's also be honest. We've seen the marks that that hair leaves after she whips somebody with it. Oh, yes. Like, and we hear it. It's loud. I want to see it more. She's a great athlete. Bailey's a great athlete. You know, usually the last, you know, woman's or last man standing matches, they end up all over the place. I don't see this going into the crowd. I see it going to the outside, maybe finishing on the outside. That's about it. Someone's going through a table. There's going to be a table spot. Watch out, Corey Graves. Michael Cole, whoever's going to do the commentary. I'm pretty sure it's Graves and Cole. Okay, good, because I can't stand that Irish guy anymore already. I love how JBL calls him Shamrock, by the way. (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) This match has probably had one of the more longer builds up to it compared to the rest of the card and probably has had the most face-to-face interaction. Now, we watched Bianca Belair defeat Nikki Cross on Monday Night Raw. I'll be interested to see if Nikki Cross somehow interferes in this match. So I don't see Bailey losing or winning. Wow. I don't see her winning unless, unless her tag team partners get involved. But Bianca also has Alexa and Asuka on her side as well. So I can't tell, but I'm going to say Bianca Belair retains. This went from being one of my favorite feuds in WWE to be completely oversaturated. I I think they should have stopped after the ladder match, and we could have called it a great feud. I think this has been going on a little too long now. I mean, this whole thing started at SummerSlam, and it's November. <laughs> yeah. But um, honestly, I would have said I'd see Bianca winning. And they would do Bianca and Nikki Cross as the next program for the title. But then they just had Bianca beat Nikki straight up on Raw. So I'm going to go with Bailey on this one. 
So they do the whole thing where damage controls ha- damage control has the titles at the end of the night. You know how cute that is and everything, but I think it's also another way just to extend this feud with Bianca. And I think the last woman standing stipulation is a way to kind of protect her, so she doesn't have to get pinned or submit. Just my thoughts, but I think Bailey again. More women in baggy clothes. Fuck the world. Yeah, for the same reasons, I'm going to agree with Justin. I to add to that, also the whole women's tag title thing. I think they're going to go for having them all be completely dominant. So I'm going to go with Bailey as well. Okay. Because okay. also, there are rumors of Becky Lynch healing up faster than expected. So and damage control is the one that put them out. So it kind of makes sense for Bailey to win the title if they're going to end up going into a Bailey-Becky Lynch feud. And Bianca has had the title. She's had a, a lengthy title reign. Yeah, she, she yeah, she she loses nothing in losing the title now. Like it was a great title reign. I just think it's time we move on. I think Bailey should win, and then I think we should start building up for the return of Becky Lynch and do Becky and Bailey. And with Becky and uh, Nikki kind of factored into all this, I smell a war games match. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the last match. Acknowledge him. The undisputed WWE Universal Championship match, Roman Reigns against some YouTuber named Logan Paul. You know, you say some YouTuber, and Justin says all these bad things about Logan Paul to you, and yes, Logan Paul's a piece of shit person, but you can't deny the actual athletic ability that he does bring to the ring. You can't you can't deny the amount of work that the man has put into trying to be able to entertain and perform to the best of his abilities. Um, you know, he's, he's done the right thing the right way. Yes. He's been catapulted into a spot that I think other people on the roster does deserve a little more, but he's not taking it lightly. And no matter how we feel about them, we can't deny that that's the case. Like, look at his match with The Miz. Look at his match when he tagged with The Miz at Mania. The man puts in work, and the man does moves that people enjoy to see, and he he practices and he trains with Shawn Michaels. So he's not, he's not taking this lightly. Yeah, I don't think any of us are disagreeing that he's taking it lightly. Like, yeah, excuse me, take a shot, that he's taking this lightly. But... This makes no sense why this is a fucking title match. Like, let, let's just be honest about it. As Roman Reigns said on SmackDown last week, he's had two matches, one of them being a tag match. One, money. Two, ratings. Is Logan That's Paul really bringing up ratings like that, though? I mean, he's probably not hurting them. There. And yes, Lee, we know it's about money. They're in fucking Saudi Arabia for Christ's sakes. <laughs> All wrong. So uh, this is this is going to be a good match, uh, regardless of how we feel about it, whether he deserves the title match or not. It's going to be a good match. It's going to be entertaining. 
I, I feel like it's probably still going to be the more entertain one of the more entertaining matches on the card. So I'm not going to knock it, but obviously we know the outcome of this and I'll throw my prediction out there right now. If Roman didn't lose to anybody else, any of the multiple top tier main event talent hall of famers that he's faced before, he's not going to lose this match. Can you fucking imagine if they had Drew McIntyre lose in his home country at Clash at the Castle just to have Logan Paul fucking beat Roman Reigns two months later in Saudi Arabia? I'll start a change.org petition to bring Vince back. I swear to God. Oh, God, no. But, you know, the match should be fine. You know they're going to do the fucking knockout punch spot where it's like, oh, maybe Logan Paul can win because they've been building that up on TV recently. So, obviously, Roman Reigns. They're not giving the title to Logan Paul. Or Roman's going to go for the Superman punch while Logan goes for the knockout, and they're going to punch each other and just break each other's hands. You know what? With the fucking, uh, who was it? It was uh, it was some fucking Goldberg match. I, oh, you know what? No, it was Roman and Goldberg when they did it, or when they were. Say, Gold- I was gonna say some fucking Goldberg match really sums up his second half of his career. Right. Uh, when they were planning on doing Roman and Goldberg at WrestleMania 36, I said going into it, I kind of hope they just go for the fucking spear at the same time, headbutt each other, and knock each other out. I like that one time Dave Batista did a spear to Edge and fucking. Busted his entire head open. Right. Never forget. Never forget that double spear. Dave literally knocked himself out. Well, we miss you, Big Dave. We love you. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. No, Roman's not losing here. No. And ladies and gentlemen, as much as we goofed around, called each other names, hurt each other's feelings at one point. That is your your WWE crown jewel predictions. Now, there's been some other things that have happened in the news. And I'm going to let Justin and Alex take the lead here for a little bit. So sit back and enjoy. Justin, we are going to talk NXT. There were some NXT releases this past week. You know more NXT nobodies than anybody else. Take your best shot at this and give your opinions. Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. I only know two people in this fucking list. That's saying something. Yeah, the other three I don't even think ever made it to TV. And if they did, it was only on that Level Up show that's on Peacock. So basically AEW Dark Elevation. Right. But uh, the most surprising one was definitely Bodie Hayward who we've seen on it with Andre Chase University for the last year or so. And what's come out, interestingly enough, is it sounds like Bodie had a bad attitude backstage, and that led to his release. Because it, it was fucking weird, the, the timing of it, because they were building up this Duke Hudson stuff with Andre Chase University, and then Bodie Hayward just fucking disappears one day. Like, mid-storyline, you know? Yeah, it definitely seemed like they were building up Duke Hudson until, like, feud with Andre Chase in, in the long run. But if you watched NXT this past week, it seemed like they did a complete 180. He's a full-fledged babyface now, and he's fighting for Andre Chase University. Right. Now they have no clue what the fuck to do because the fucking guy in the storyline is not there anymore. But 
Anyway, we had uh, Sloane Jacobs. She was in the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament earlier this year. First round match eliminated. So that, that that's pretty much all I've seen of her, to be honest with you. Uh, we had Erica Yen, never seen her. Demir- Demarius Griffin. These fucking names, man. Still not great. Uh, who I have no clue who the fuck that is. And Ru Feng, who I have no clue who the fuck that is. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the NXT releases. Short list, only five people. So, It doesn't seem like they're releasing people just to release people now. Um, well, I will make an exception with the NXT UK releases, but it seems like with these ones, there's either a reason, which, you know, Bodhi's attitude, or it's kind of starting to show up more of what Triple H's agenda was when he took over that if you're not improving and you're not showing that you're going to be able to make the company money and help the company that they they have to let you go and it's not the it's not the worst thing for some people because some of these people that they release in in these big groups of people from NXT are a lot of people that don't have a lot of experience they're a lot of people that are very green very young so they haven't been around the business much. So for some of these people getting released can be the best possible thing because we've seen a lot of these people who we didn't even know them in NXT or WWE. They get released, they go to the indies, and they're able to make their name for themselves in Impact, AEW, et cetera, New Japan. So this could be good for these people. Right. And, you know, let, let's say back in 2019 when you really think about it, think about how many people, like, they had signed under contracts just in developmental that we never even saw that were just sitting around for the longest time. Like we don't even know who they fuck, who the fuck they are, you know, because by 2020 they weren't, weren't running live events and NXT was just, you know, whoever's on TV, this is who you're going to see. Yeah. So some of these people have been with the company now for three, four years and we've never seen them. Right. It's fucking crazy to think about. And a lot of that can be blamed on the pandemic, obviously, but Yeah. Well, that's when you go to Raw Underground. That, that, that's what happens when that happens, when that shit goes down. Uh, but I, I, I like the rule. I like the new rule. You know, we support you. But at the end of 90 days, if you don't get your shit together, don't talk to us. Well, and, and like I said, it's not the end of the world because they can allow them to go other places, make better name for themselves, and then eventually come back. Right. It's not this the one, end. This oh. one thing with WWE is that when the doors close, it's not really ever closed forever. Right. Doors always open. Speaking of doors and forbidden doors, can we talk about the Minoru Suzuki match with Shinsuke Nakanora being announced for Pro Wrestling Noah? Alex, it's fucking great Muda. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lee, you are going to have to cut that. Lee, you are going to have to cut that one out. Honestly, that was kind of funny. I might leave that in too. <laughs> Damn it! Just like, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I wish fuck the it. fans could have seen that. I wish the fans could have seen that because Justin just put his hands up like he's whispering to him. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. You know what the problem is, and this is your fault, Lee. You posted that goddamn Photoshop picture of right the, that fucking Minora, me too. Yeah, that fucking Minoru Suzuki versus Sheamus match that was. Uh, a Photoshop picture supposedly announced for the same pay-per-view, and now I'm getting everything all mixed up. So this is your fault. Anyway, the 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 freaking great Muta match 
being announced. Great Muto versus Shinsuke Nakamura for Pro Wrestling Noah. Dude, the Forbidden Door has been open. We talked about this. We talked about how Minoru Suzuki being in the States probably was to set up some sort of working relationship. And I think this was the beginning of it. I think this is what he was actually here to talk about was to be an ambassador to possibly help get this Muda Nakamura match. Right. And, you know, this when I first saw this graphic with Nakamura and the great Muda, I thought that shit was fucking Photoshop. I'm like, yeah, you're real funny. The first time I saw it on Facebook, then I scrolled down and there it is like two, three more times. And I'm like, oh, shit. No, this is this is legit. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, this is obviously, you know, Triple H is there. He has no problem working with these other companies, you know, unless your name is All Elite Wrestling and Tony Khan. But, you know, when it comes to stuff like this, he he he's cool with it. You know, great Muda wants to have his retirement tour. He wants to face Shinsuke Nakamura. Fucking go for it. We're going to be able to see Shinsuke Nakamura wrestle like Shinsuke Nakamura wrestled in Japan too. And it's going to be a goddamn treat. Right. It's going to be a sight to see. And, you know, like, like for example, I remember a few years ago when Ray was still on the Indies, Ray Mysterio, I think people kind of forget about that. Rey Mysterio was a little bit of an indie sensation for a while. Uh, he was going to face Jushin Thunder Liger on a New Japan show. And then Ray got hurt. Or no, it was Liger that got hurt. One of the two got hurt. And then the match had to be postponed. But by the time they were going to reschedule it, Ray had already re-signed with WWE. So it was out the window at that point. You know? But... Stuff like this, this opens the door for anything, really. Yeah, like Minoru Suzuki to face Sheamus. And fucking give me that, please, by the way. Dude, I need, I need that match. One's got got to hope that somebody in the company has seen that picture that made its rounds and that they're going to at least try and talk it. Well, let's not forget that uh, Great Muda showed up on AEW Rampage and saved Sting. And Sting is also going to be part of Great Muda's retirement match in some sort of way. So you have Great Muda seemingly working both sides of the fence here. Working in with AEW, working in with WWE. Although, the biggest thing that I found interesting when it came to that news with Muda and Shinsuke Nakamura was that uh, a buddy of mine lives over in Japan in the, and I quote, dirt sheets over there have been reporting widely that there's going to be a new Japan WWE working relationship. Over here in the States, it's not being covered at all. At all. They're just like, nah, it's not going to happen. And then this happens. Could you imagine if we saw wrestlers from wwe and AEW, both on a pro wrestling noah show like who would have thought two three years ago we would ever even have the possibility of having this conversation that we're having right now this is absolutely insane to me right it's it's the magic of the game right but back to nxt before i went down this little rabbit hole it was something that we needed to talk about though so it had to be brought up back to nxt a week ago we saw the unveiling of the fourth member of the schism, Justin. And it turned out to be Ava Rain 
also known as Simone Johnson, also known as Dwayne The Rock Johnson's daughter. I, I've got to say it was quite an underwhelming reveal for me and not because of, of Ava, Ray having, uh, Ava Rain having the star power to be this fourth person, but underwhelming in the fact that I really didn't like that that's how they decided they were going to debut her and begin her WWE career. Right. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat on this. But that being said, fast forward to this week, you see the sit-down promo with Vic Joseph and the schism, and holy shit for having just debuted, that woman knows how to talk on the microphone just like her dad. Yeah, she's been fucking cutting promos in the mirror. <laughs> Definitely. Right. She easily in my mind has to eventually take over this faction because she speaks better than anybody else in the faction. Not that any of the rest of them are bad. Like obviously Joe Gacy knows what he's doing. Lee and I have watched him for years locally. Um, Obviously, you know, grizzled young vets or whatever their names are now. Um, You know, they've never really been bad on the microphone either, but it it was just like, it was a very listening to her speak caught my attention very quickly captivated me got me into whatever she was saying to the point where i almost kind of like the schism more than i like the judgment day now i think they're judgment daying better than the judgment day judgment days say that 10 times fast um if anybody can make some sort of sense of this faction i think after hearing her speak it's going to be ava rain yeah you know the whole joe gacy stuff we we really haven't had a chance to talk about it but I was on board with the gimmick when it was him and Harlan and they were kind of doing their thing. And then obviously Harlan was released when they started bringing the supernatural shit into it is when I got out of it, you know, with the Druids and everything. And it, it, it's just something that I wasn't feeling too many acts are trying to imitate what the undertaker did. Right. And now you have Bray back on the roster. Who's, you know, Joe Gacy, the gimmick is very similar to, I would say, you know, 2013, 2014 Bray Wyatt with the cult and everything and the Wyatt family. Right. So it, it's just very weird having everyone do this at the same time, especially like you just brought up. We have the Judgment Day on Raw, too. So it's mm-hmm. like this gimmick is going on on multiple shows pretty much. But. Yeah, I mean, good for her. I know she's had trouble with injuries the last uh, how long has she been signed? Two years, I want to say 2020 she got signed. Yeah, I think they've been injuries that have all taken place with her training too. Yeah, so, you know, good for her. She was able to, you know, you know get through that and make it to TV. We'll see how she is in the ring at some point, but, you know. Too early to decide, but I, I think they could have done a better debut for her, but I think if anybody can save this faction or or do something with this faction, it'll be her. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But they, they just got to figure out what the fuck this whole gimmick is to be honest with you do they want the supernatural shit do they not want it what like what's the goal here agreed and the last thing i want to talk about when it comes to nxt we didn't have this one planned but i want both of your opinions on it because i know this one means a lot to lee means a lot to me and i guarantee it means a lot to you justin the promos are there they've been set in place we are getting rid of t-bar and we are getting Dominic Dijakovic or Donovan Dijak, as he's being reportedly listed as internally, we're getting a return of the man that we are all going to feast our eyes upon to NXT. 
let's fucking do it, man. I'm I'm ready to see this man back because I'm I'm glad he's gonna get the chance to wash the fucking retribution stink off him. And, you know, be who he is and be the best version of himself. You know, I'm talking the trilogy of matches with him and Keith Lee back in NXT back in 2019. The War Games match. Right. Like, this guy's fucking great. And he should have the opportunity to show that. And he's finally going to get it. Right. Uh, this. I, I, oh, go ahead, Alex. Yeah. I, w- I was just going to say, towards the end of the Vince McMahon regime, I have to say this was one of the biggest mistakes that he made was repackaging him into that T-bar gimmick with Retribution. I think out of all the mistakes he made, all the name changes, I think this one was the worst. From the absolute get-go, even if Retribution had gone over, they had everything perfectly aligned with him as a character. Let's get fucking back to it. That man is a future world champion. Yeah, and you know, when he was first in NXT, not not to say that he had a bad fucking NXT run or anything, but... You know, I was hoping he'd do a little more, to be honest. I think his problem is he was also in an NXT era where there was way too many top stars. That was He was Very in true. the NXT yeah. era that had, like, all of the top indie stars. You had you had Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, the return of Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, just to name a few. Riddle, Pete Dunne were still on NXT at that point. Right. There were, there was way, way too many top stars for him to even be able to try and make a move. You even had, you know, I know he's not in the company now, but Velveteen Dream was even being right. slated as a top star back then. There was so many top stars in that era of NXT that it was hard for him to get to the top because there was there was names that everybody knew more. You had guys that came from, you know, New Japan. You had guys that just made these big splashes on the indie scene. And in, as in any company, it kind of seems like some of the Ring of Honor guys sometimes take a backseat to some of the names that are currently at the top of the food chain because of social media and this and that. So I, I have a feeling you can already tell he's going for the NXT title. It, it showed the NXT title in his vignette this past week. If anybody's going to take the NXT title off of Broadbreaker, I gotta believe it's him. Yeah. Well, let's put some fucking respect on this guy's name and let, let's hope he makes the most out of this. Lee, you've been outspoken when it comes to him. How are your? What are your opinions on it? I'm just happy for him. Honestly, it's it's almost like a Bray Wyatt kind of story to me, and I say that because we saw the best of Bray Wyatt in the Fiend, and then it it was going to shit, and we knew it, and then he was gone. You have the Kojic. I didn't say that right, but whatever. And then he turns to T Bar. The gimmick worked for what, maybe a few weeks, and then he's gone. Still with the company, but you just don't see him. I'm just happy for the guy all said and done. The T bar shit, the whole fucking reckoning, all of that was fucking stupid. It would have worked if done right. But they slap jacked some really stupid masks on everybody. And Mia Yim is obvious who she is. Obviously not dyeing her hair to try and hide who she is. But through the mask, you could still see who the fuck she was. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Remember that one time on fucking Raw? She was wrestling like Dana Brooke or something and the fucking mask fell off. And then she came back to 
I was just she came back the next week and was wearing the fucking mask again. Yeah. Like, you know, why? Lee, for a second, I thought you kind of forgot the name of like the stable. I thought you forgot some of their names, but then I realized what well, you were doing. That little wordplay, that was nice. The Thank reckoning, you. the slapjacking on the face. But yeah, I appreciated that. Yeah, don't don't sit there and throw Mace in his face, Alex. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, I, <laughs> that I was the last you, one. I see what you did there. That's Marseille. Get it right. Yeah, how's how's that going for him? No, <laughs> so I'm I'm happy for the man. You know, when you play him in WWE 2K, he has a phenomenal move set. He has a phenomenal move set when you watch him wrestle. But when he was T-Bar, you didn't get to see any of that. It sucked. So I hope that by basically bringing him back to who he originally was, we get the old move set and, and the mannerisms and everything that, that he operated on because you're not supposed to fix what's not broken. I swear to God, if they do what they did towards the end of when he was taken off of TV on Raw, when they took the mask off, it was clearly Dijakovic, and they still were calling him T-Bar. I swear to God, if they do that again, I'll shit. Well, think about it. Shit everywhere. They did the same thing when they pulled the fucking mask off Mace, and he was right next to him on fucking commentary the year before that. Who, Who is this? Who is that? Are you fucking kidding me? You're telling me you don't remember this man getting F5 through a, an announce table by Brock Lesnar? He sat nope. right next to you. What the fuck are you talking about? You don't know who he is. Never seen him before in my life. Yeah, never saw him once. Never. Oh, God. Yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. I'm I'm super excited. The moment names started changing after Triple H take over, the, took over, this was the one I was waiting for. This in LA night. We got LA Knight. Let's get Dijakovic back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we brought up Bray Wyatt earlier and how excited we were with all of that. And, uh, bro, there was something that was really noticeable to people with Uncle Howdy, if you will. Howdy doodly. That earring looked really, really familiar. That cross, that little gold cross that he had in his ear. And then I remembered, Bo Dallas always has an earring that's a gold cross. So much so that in a uh, photo that is going around the internet of Uncle Howdy with the earring and Bo Dallas literally standing in a WWE ring in a suit... With the same earring. So the speculation, Uncle Howdy, more like, hey, Uncle Bo, how you doing? I told you guys this. I've been saying this for weeks. I said it last week. I said it the week before. I've been saying it since Bray Wyatt came back. I told you they were going to tie Bo Dallas into this somehow. And well, I'm still. And it was... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I'm still on the fact that I have a feeling that this whole whoever's tormenting Bray, that it's, it's we're all thinking that it's going to be a version of himself. I still think this is going to be the repackaging of Bo Dallas. I think we're going to see him come back under the Taylor Rotonda name, or 
even as some other creepier name. And I think he is going to be tied into this storyline somehow because they said that Bray Wyatt's story is basically panned out to WrestleMania. He's not facing Roman because it's it's very clear that Roman is eventually going to face The Rock. And if he doesn't and The Rock doesn't show up, they really they've already got backup plans, I feel like, set in place with either Sami Zayn or Jay Uso. So that being said, I don't see him facing Bray. There's no other bigger storyline to me that they could conjure up in the other than the building this up to be some creepy twisted version of Bo returning repackaged and do the brothers against each other at WrestleMania. Yeah, and another thing we didn't even mention during the predictions, but Bray Wyatt is set to make an appearance on Crown Jewel tomorrow. Uh, so we could get an Uncle Howdy reveal as early as tomorrow and see where they go from here. But I'm still kind of on the fence with what they're going for. You know, we hear the Wyatt Six and all of a sudden we believe it's a faction. I'm kind of thinking it's more it's Bray with these split personalities and you know, he's kind of going to go back and forth between six different personalities, but it's still very early. I mean, we got we got to wait and see. And this is obviously going to be prolonged for a bit. And if we know anything about Bray, you know, they're going to keep us guessing on this. Absolutely. As long as we, they can. And Bray's going to be able to be captivating enough to where we're going to be interested in every little bit of it. Right. We already are. Mm-hmm. We're all in. Speaking of all in and all out in AEW, guys. Someone who's very nice, very evil. Are we, are we seriously fucking talking about this as a topic on here? Oh, that is rude, and you will apologize. No, I'm not going to fucking apologize. This is fucking stupid. You will get muted. Fine, fucking mute me, because I don't want to say anything about this anyway. The rest of the show. Good. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Wow. That is rude. So anyway, Danhausen loses to QT Marshall, right? On like AEW. Yeah. AEW Dark Elevation or Dark, whatever. And it tweeted out and it tweeted to AEW. Not how I'm wording it, but uh, not very happy. And according to Alex, I believe, uh, Alex, you said they gave him a win? Yes, he actually ended up winning on, uh, I believe it was AEW. It was either Rampage last week or it was on AEW Dark, not Dark Elevation. Um, Trying to figure out who it was because it wasn't a very known person, but I I literally watched the video on on Dan Housen and AEW's Twitter. It wasn't a very known person. Why are we acting like this is a fucking accomplishment? We're not, I'm not acting like it's a huge accomplishment. I'm just talking about the fact that, um, that they're finally like doing something with him. Okay. Now, well, you know what? Serpentico won his first fucking match in AEW a few months ago. We didn't cover that. I know, but Dan Housen is a bigger personality when than Serpentico. Brandon Cutler won his first match. No one covered that. Because Dan Housen is special. Dan Housen created oh, wrestling. Yeah, or, fuck off. If it wasn't for Dan Housen, pro wrestling would not exist. Uh, it was John Cruz that he defeated. 
Oh yeah, the legendary John Cruz Hall of Famer. No, no. So the 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 actual point that I want to get behind here because there's there's a legit point. This man, whether you like him or not, Justin, or whether people like him or not, he's obviously a merch seller for the company. He obviously makes the money. So I personally feel that you as a company should be in a situation if somebody's making you money, you've got to put effort into them to actually do something with them. It appeared that during this match, Danhausen kind of took some of his old mannerisms back, where he kind of transitioned into the like actual evil Danhausen. And like during this match, the clips that I watched, he was a lot more vicious in the ring and less joke telling. Like he was actually like he came off kind of kind of fucking scary. So I think if you give him a little character progression, kind of start making his face paint look a little creepier, start giving him more demonic actual characterizations, you could actually do something with this. You don't like him, that's fine, but he makes the company money, so they should put effort back into him. The only and you paid to meet him, so fuck off. No, you fuck off. The only scary you paid to meet him. You paid to meet John Housen. Can I speak? No. I'll let you finish. Okay, I'm going to go now. Um, I, I gave to charity. You didn't. There was no charity. Involved. It was Christmas time. What charity did you donate to to meet him? Honestly, I thought he was like a kid sitting next to the Toys or Tots bin. Fuck you. I, I thought he was doing the collections. That's, that's Get, what I thought. Fuck you. Get over yourself. Yeah. Liar. You enjoy you enjoy cross dressing tag team champions. Shut up. They are not cross dressers. You shut your mouth. Don't yes, you dare are. disrespect the name of Pretty Deadly on this show. The yeah. greatest tag team of all time, El Imprints and Kit Wilson, the NXT tag team champions, the final NXT UK tag team champions, two time of both. Side plate check, motherfucker. Anyway. Yeah, now after you saying that, your opinion doesn't matter to me. My yep. opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. Go fuck yourself. You love. Me. No, the only scary thing about fucking Dan House is the possibility of a push for that loser. You've got to admit, though, from like a business standpoint, if somebody is making you money, you should put effort into making them actually presentable and not having them lose every single match. Great. Make them the fucking AEW dark champion. Cool. You you are so salty over this. This one, we're not actually even bringing it up just to get under your side, like get, be a thorn in your side this week. I'm actually being serious about this. You can't get over your bias to There's like no bias. Talk, I'm being talk, serious talk. too. Mm-hmm. You paid to meet him. End of story. I I was giving a charity. Lee, you get my point though, right? Though that that when somebody is making you money like that, like on a serious note, if somebody is making you the type of money that Dan Housen's making that company in merch, that they probably shouldn't be having him lose every single week, and you should probably start building him to something that's actually going to be successful. Well, yeah, and I mean, the man also has his own coffee line. He also has his own pre-workout under BPI Sports, the same company that uh, Daddy Ass has the same pre-workout under with BPI also. Do you know, so, yeah, happy birthday, Daddy Ass. So he is popular. You know, he does have merch that moves. You know, fans get excited when he get, he's on TV. So it's definitely worth mentioning that. You know what? You guys, an improvement. you do have a point. I, I do think they should present him in a better role. And I think he should pick up a few more wins. I mean, they gave Doink the Clown a lot of fucking wins in 1993. So it makes sense. It's the same thing. 
<laughs> you know, I'll take that. I will honestly take uh, that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I am not. Yep, yep. We can we can move on. I I will accept that. That is the closest we will ever get. In the shall be recorded until the end of time. Yep. And speaking of AEW, there was a uh, debut on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. A man we've also interviewed. You can check that out at youtube.com slash perch on the top rope. Former WWE Hall of Famer. Jeff Jarrett is hashtag all elite. And I've just got one thing to say to that. Tell me slap nuts. They've got to give him his TNA theme song or some version of it for AEW because that is just a... He a had the My World theme song. He did have it. Oh, did they play it on his way out? Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm down. I don't care if he fucking ruins the whole show. That theme song's back and I'm loving it. Justin and I talked about this last night and this is also going to slightly segue into an idea that Justin and I brainstormed last night that it is going to be coming to the Perch on the Top Rope YouTube page sometime soon. It does seem as though with Jeff Jarrett's uh, debut on Dynamite that they are slowly building a like disgruntled former TNA superstar faction, with the exception of what's his name, the big tall guy. Yeah, fucking uh, Satnam Singh. Satnam Singh. Uh, you know, you've now got Jeff Jarrett in this faction. You've got Sanjay Dutt. You've got Jay Lethal. The Motor City Machine Guns have been loosely associated with them. I like where this is going. I, you know, Jeff Jarrett even said it in this promo that they're, they're kind of almost like trying to take back what they believe was taken from TNA that AEW kind of took the spot that TNA slash impact should have had, had everything gone the right way and done right. This could be a really, really good storyline. They also took TNA's tunnels. They did take TNA's tunnels. I'm still better about that one. AEW has had a lot of, um, they've, they've taken a lot of inspiration from old school TNA, I've noticed. So from what I've heard is, is the production team is pretty much the exact same production team TNA had. Yeah. Even um, Kevin Sullivan, not the Kevin Sullivan, the wrestler, but the producer right. that worked with TNA actually works for AEW now. And Eric Bischoff said this on his podcast this past week that, you know, Kevin Sullivan, the producer, used to come to um, Spike TV meetings with like this, this entire book. They would have this entire, he'd have this entire book where he would have like the top three storylines and then he would have them broken down into three month spans. Like anything that was going to go longer than three months, he would have like, this is what's going to happen for this three months. We're going to move on to here. We're going to move on to here with the end game being here. And Eric gave actually some actual advice to Tony Khan for once, not in a sarcastic asshole way, because we know the two of them don't like each other that he should really utilize having Kevin Sullivan on as a producer and take that and run, have him be like the top producer and have him come to these TNT TBS meetings and have everything planned out because that's like, We've said before, that's the one thing that AEW lacks sometimes is long-term booking. So that could definitely be a plus for them. But along with this whole TNA group that we're talking about, uh, this is 
going to hopefully start in the near future. We might run into some issues with the holidays coming up, but Justin and I have a, a TNA announcement. We are going to be starting a series where we once a month will be watching an old school TNA pay-per-view. We're going to go back to the classics. Some of these we'll even let you guys vote on. And we are going to, once a month, we're going to sit down together on Zoom. We're going to sit here and we're going to watch an old school TNA pay-per-view. We are going to pick it apart as if we were fans back then and what we think about it now going forward. Right, because I think you can agree around, at least for me, when I got into TNA, 2006, 2007, I was a massive fucking mark as a TNA mark as a kid. Oh, me too. I, I found TNA by accident. I was scrolling through the channels one night. Me too. <laughs> right. I was scrolling through the channels looking for something to watch one night and Christian Cage showed up on my TV screen. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I know who this is. I hadn't watched WWE a whole lot. Um, and in some years at that point, I kind of taken a break and TNA was actually what pulled me back into watching professional wrestling because I, I scrolled through and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I know this guy. I'm looking at the face because I, I hadn't been around watching when Christian cut his hair. And right. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, that's that's Christian. And then I see Rhino and I see Kurt Angle. And I'm like, holy shit, this show is good. And I, at first I was like, is this WWE? And then I saw the six-sided ring. I was like, what the fuck is this? Sticks? Right. I was like, this is the coolest goddamn thing I've ever seen. And then I keep watching that night. And then AJ Styles shows up. Didn't know who he was. I'm watching him like, oh my God, this guy is no pun intended, phenomenal. And I was hooked. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to start watching wrestling again. I was like, I got to figure out what WWE is doing, where they're doing it. Luckily, I got into it right as the beginning of the revived ECW starting. So where it was still kind of somewhat good at the very, very beginning. Right. That that was actually what brought my, my love for pro wrestling back. So we are going to take that. Justin and I have agreed 2007 to 2009. There was no better company than TNA. I think we're going to start in that time frame for the first couple months, and then we'll start letting everybody vote. We'll go old school. We'll go new school. We'll go in between, and we're going to bring to you TNA reaction videos to their shows once a month. TN appreciation. TN appreciation. I like that. But yeah, Jeff Jarrett, guys. Uh, it already kind of seems like we're we're eventually going to get a showdown between Jeff Jarrett and Sting. And oh, I think, I think the match at full gear is going to be Darby and Sting and against Lethal and Jarrett, no doubt. Absolutely, and I think if Sting is going to end up having an actual retirement match in AEW, there's no question in my mind now it's got to be Jeff Jarrett. No, right. Rick. Flair. You think Rick Flair? <laughs> no, we don't need to see Rick Flair wrestle again. You, you bring Flair. him back one more time, he's going to go on a fucking tour. Don't do it. <laughs> Exactly. No, Jeff makes the most sense if that's they're they're going to end up slowly building this up too. Because for Jeff's age, he can still go in the ring like he's one of the young guys. And Jeff Jarrett has had a fucking interesting twenty twenty two. If you look back at it, this man started in GCW as the last outlaw, went back to WB in his uh, producer role, refereed a match at SummerSlam for the tag titles. The next day. Wrestled Ric Flair in his last match with Jay Lethal and Andrade, was released from WB, and now here he is in AEW. <laughs> Making the rounds. Fucking I gotta I gotta wonder now with him being back in AEW too. If because obviously that partnership still exists between AEW and Impact. 
I gotta wonder if him and Scott Demore were able to smooth things over and we get another appearance from Jeff Jarrett and Impact at some point. Haha, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Ain't I great? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like if anybody, Scott Demore can kind of probably smooth things over between Jeff Jarrett and Ed Nornholm. So I, I, I think it's possible we get one more last showing of Jeff Jarrett as if there haven't been enough last returns for Jeff Jarrett and impact. That's what we want to see in impact. Only one name and that's J E double F J A double R E double T Jeff Jarrett, the greatest wrestler, the greatest entertainer and the greatest singer. Ain't he great? You know that Jeff Jarrett, I, I, I think, I think on a, on a scale of one to 10, he's more like a four out of 10. Kind of like that no good scumbag Triple H. Listen, you you can't do Bret Hart like I can. You got to understand we're we're not talking about Triple H. It's not even about Jeff Jarrett at this point. We're I want to bring it to one man, and his name is Bill Goldberg, and how much of a piece of shit he is. <laughs> he kicked me in the face and ended my career, and it, that just wasn't very that wasn't very good, you know. Hey, Brett, uh, Brett, do you do you like Bill Goldberg? No. <laughs> Tom McGee should have gotten his spot in the Hall of Fame, to be honest with you. Guys, if you haven't heard this yet, which you haven't, uh, about two weeks ago after we went off the show, Justin just went into this whole goddamn rant where he was impersonating Bret Hart. It, it is just about the funniest thing ever. Yeah, my match with Tom McGee, that was that was way better than any Bill Goldberg match. But speaking of Jeff Jarrett, like I said, you can go to youtube.com slash person on the top rope and check that interview out and check out all our other interviews. We have other stuff like unboxings and we also have episodes of Perched on the Top Shelf, an action figure show that Justin and myself do. And since the Perched correspondent Justin goes to a lot of shows. You can check him out at youtube.com slash in Justin We Trust. Next one, AEW Dynamite in Boston next week. November's going to be a busy month, so get ready. So make sure you check all those out. You can also check out twitch.tv slash perch on the top rope where Alex is streaming. Uh, Once he w- gets his graphics card fixed. We are on a small hiatus right now. Streamlabs will not uh, withstand my computer, but our buddy and our computer builder, Jake Ponzi at Ponzi's PC Gamings will be doing a replacement on my graphics card and processor soon, so we will be back to you shortly. Streaming WWE games and non-WWE wrestling-related games as well. Yes. You can also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. You can find us on Instagram at Perch on the Top Row Podcast. You can find us on TikTok, where we talk to Kevin Sullivan. And this Kevin Sullivan, same Kevin Sullivan, getting humped by a dog. That's right, WCW's Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, getting humped by a dog. It's on our TikTok. It's Perch on the Top Rope. It's pinned. It's the first thing pinned. You can't miss it. You can also find us on Twitter, at Perch Top Rope. You can also find this podcast anywhere and everywhere from Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Red Circle, Podbean, Podbay. It's perched on the top rope. And for all of those countries who have kept us on their chartables as we are reaching Ireland, 
for two years straight, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you. Thank you. I've been to Dublin. I've been to Ireland. So uh, go to O'Shea's Pub. That was my favorite spot in Dublin. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Perched on the Top Rope. Make sure to tune in Wednesday at 12.30 for Justin and myself with episode two of the WWF Hasbro series as we will review series two. For the YouTube channel, make sure Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you stop in, give a like, subscribe, comment on the newest videos that come out as we have a bloopers video coming out. Yeah, bloopers. It's going to be hilarious. Trust me. Tony Atlas thinks so, too. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. Fuck that Bill Goldberg.